All right, train by day, existential crisis by night, all day. All right, doing an introduction on video, and we're going to do it in one take. That's a lie. I've done like fucking 30. It's fine. I've got I've got other things to do, but I'm, it's all good. All right, here we go. Doing an introduction on video, looking directly at the camera lens like it's a human being, like it's a human being that I want to talk to and smile at and not just sort of stew in this weird self-recursive. Hello and welcome to the next part of this conversation with John Vaveki. There's just a couple things I'd like to tell you about it before we jump in. And the first one is that this is towards the more technical academic side of the conversations that you'll find here. It's not my aim to have conversations always of that nature. In this case, I feel it's very much called for as uh, John is a genius level thinker in my humble opinion. And I'm interested in many of the same ideas. And so for us to really get where we could uh, requires a certain sort of dialogue that tends towards the more academic side. But that won't be all you find here. And it is a um, very much uh, intention of mine to speak in a way that is more accessible and to break down concepts when appropriate rather than just always pull from whatever tangent the unconscious seems to be piercing up through the psyche. So that's the first thing. And the second thing is that Even if you are interested in a more academic style of conversation, you may have to put up with the first five minutes of me talking before we get to John. I cut this conversation in half. It was initially both parts one and two were had in the same same session. And so the break is somewhat artificial, although the jump in the conversation itself was quite abrupt. So even if you were to go listen to part one beforehand, the jump into the more metaphysical component is still fairly abrupt. And so, yeah, the first five minutes are me feeling my way through setting the context for a certain sort of discussion. And what you can expect to hear is a discussion about consciousness. And you'll hear some of John's metaphysical position with respect to the ontological status of consciousness. I won't say too much more than that. Yeah, thank you very much. And I look forward to bringing you more content in the future. Okay, so if you can bear with me, and you might have to help me along with this. Because of our limited time remaining, I want to see if I can um, provide a context for a particular sort of metaphysical discussion so I can better understand your position on things and sure. to share a little bit about uh, where my, not just interests, but where my capacity to make coherence of things currently lies with. And um, it's to do with, in some important sense, what's most fundamental. I suppose it's to do with ontology, um, mm-hmm. but it's a process metaphysics, wherein actually our agency and our capacity to draw coherence into experience 
might be used as an important vehicle to gain insight into not just psychological process of sense making and the cognitive mm. process of relevance realization, but perhaps to metaphysical process itself. And now there are assumptions involved here um, mm -hmm. that, that I can see things going different ways. But for example, in one of your lectures, you talk about the importance, or not the importance, you, you provide a, a very basic schema of, I think it goes something like inorganic thing to living thing to right, Aristotle's hierarchy. Yeah, yes, Aristotle's yeah. hierarchy to, to moving thing to mental thing to hum, the human thing, which is the rational yeah. thing or something like this yeah, with yeah. this self-reflective capacities. Yeah, the self-motion eventually becomes self-reflection. Right. Yes. Yes. Self-actualization. Yes. So I'm not sure whether or not that's um, I, I, I know you're introducing these thinkers a lot to sort of um, help provide a framework for thinking about things in different ways. And my sense is that you have um, you know, you have an affinity for each of these thinkers in a different way. And so I'm not taking it that that is precisely what you endorse metaphysically. But where I right. where I get where I where I'm interested in is because you, you speak a lot as well about the 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 co-defining interdependent relationship between the agent and the arena between the yep. cognitive yep. agent, the thing that makes sense of the world and the environment as such so that the closer you are to coming into touch with that, also, the more real, the more human you become, and that yes, there's this yes. optimization process associated with realizing the meaning and realizing a closer fit between yourself and the environment. The question is, for this meaning-making process to, because I, I agree with you, it is these practices attempting to come into communion with these practices and not getting lost in an autodidactic spiral. Although, by the way, autodidactic spirals are sometimes the only way you can come into yourself enough so you can connect with genuine community. And there's another tension there, of course. Mm. Is that, okay, at what point, like, like one issue I have is with this idea of a, a sort of a, a radical emergence. And I'm not saying that, that you're that you're necessitating, we endorse this kind of radical emergence from a from a wholly non-meaningful, non-sentient, mm -hmm. non-capacity to discern how to come into relationship with. There, there's this notion of goal, right? There's this notion of becoming a more actualized, mm -hmm. better fit, so that what? So that more transformation can continue. And, mm -hmm. and, and it's a kind of loving transformation, right? Because it's an, it's an affirmation of self and the world in some important sense in a way that transforms it. And there's also an, an, an admission there that, that we are connected in fundamental ways, that together mm -hmm. we come into these co-defining, co co-interpretive transformations um, and become something more connected, more real in some sense. Well, how fundamental is this process of, of transformation to what we must endorse metaphysically in the world itself. We might be something to say how fundamental is sentience, how fundamental is consciousness. I find it difficult mm. to understand how this process can kick in with the meaning associated, the goal formation associated, even if it's implicit, this, it gives coherence, the goals give coherence, this relationship to, mm -hmm. it's, it's mm -hmm. kind of a unity of goals, a unity of becoming, of harmonizing ever more in this holistic way, right? It seems to me like I, I, I can't understand how this is not fundamental to being itself, at least as far as we can conceive it psychologically. 
And then the line okay. that comes between psychology and, psychology and metaphysics becomes blurred. So I'm interested in the role you think something like this subjective coherence-making transformation plays in your metaphysics. Is consciousness fundamental? Is something like sentience fundamental? Or is it an emergent property of something that is non-sentient? Okay, so there's a lot of things there. Yes, uh, that yes. was a very complex question. Yes. Uh, the, fir the first thing is, uh, and I don't know how, how much you're committed to some of your predicates, but I would argue that uh, a meaning is not subjective, it's transjective. Uh, and, and part of the ontology that I'm trying to advocate for is an ontology of real relations, right? That relations aren't just sort of mental glue that we use to 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 think to put things together. And I, and I think that that is actually something that is comports well with our scientific ontology because things like evolution are dynamical systems themselves. They're self-organizing processes. And I, I take it that you know, there's a general consensus that evolution is the best explanation of how we actually got here. And if therefore there has to be a reality to it as a causal factor in our emergence. And therefore these dynamical systems and the sets of constraints that and the real relations that they embody are real and causally efficacious in an important way. Uh, so I, I take that to be a, a fundamental thing. And then once you give me that in my ontology, then I would talk about, I talk about two things first. I talk about it uh, in terms of a deep continuity hypothesis, the idea that my, uh, my friend and uh, a colleague, Evan Thompson has developed out of the work of Francisco Varela and others. And this is the idea, and this actually comes out in the relevance realization theory. Uh, this is the idea that um, the, 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 the system of constraints, right, that structural functional organization, and this is, this is very much the Aristotelian model, that makes me possible as a biological agent. That, right, that, those sets, right, of constraints, they get exapted. They're not identical. They get exapted the way my tongue has been exapted for speech. They get exapted up into cognition and they get exacted up into other levels of our notion of self. And that there's a deep continuity between the kind of self-organizational processes we find in the depths of our biology and that we find in the heights of our reflective uh, rationality. And, and many people are arguing for this deep continuity. Now, you may say, well, you know, that gets me sort of in that that I, I can sort of see that, right? And and that's a but that's only taking me sort of into one layer of 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 the ontology. Well, no, because I think there's also a deep continuity between being a biological thing, which is an autopoetic thing, a self-organ. See, autopoetic things are self-organizing systems that are self-organized to seek out the conditions of their own existence. Yes. And that's how they differ from merely self-organizing things like tornadoes that do not self-organize self in a way. Yeah, yeah. So autopoetic is self-making, yes. exactly. Whereas uh, the, the, the tornado is only self-organizing. But there's, of course, again, continuity between what we see in the, in, in the self-making, seeking behavior of... Uh, of you know even a paramecium and, and the self-organization right uh, capacity uh, of, that we see in the fire that is spreading. So we, we can we, instead of just reading upwards, right? You also should use your ontology and read downwards. You should see how the upper level thing gives you an affordance of intelligibility down into the depths of your ontology. And then that leads me to my second point. Now, this is not something I have as well developed, 
Uh, and so I ask for some charity on the part of your, your, your listeners. But I've become increasingly sort of critical of these two big things that we have tend to do with our ontology. We tend to have a completely emergentist ontology in which everything emerges up, or if you go back far enough in sort of the Neoplatonic framework, we have the exact opposite. We have a completely emanation, right, ontology. And I think both of these ontologies, and perhaps I think, I, I think it could make a case that this is a point that Whitehead was making, so you might find resonance with this. Both of these ontological grammars, a completely emergentist and a completely emanationist account, I think have, like, they, they, they each have just, you know, um, they have obverse sets of, you know, you know, irresolvable problems that they can't do. And that sort of points to me that either one of these exclusive ways of thinking of our ontology is in some fundamental way flawed. Now, and, and trying to get beyond both emergence and emanation, I think, is one of the central tasks facing us as people are trying to understand our ontology. And that's why I like what I advocated earlier about, you know, the deep continuity hypothesis says don't only look upwards, like when you're trying to understand, like the emergence of consciousness, take the properties and make that inform how you look downward, make that a grammar of intelligibility, how you look downward. Mm -hmm. Now, you shouldn't simplistically then say, oh, well, that means that consciousness is down at the fundamental level, because th that is to mi miss exactly right what the power of the emergentist has said. But you also should you, 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 you shouldn't think right that right th that there's some sort of dualistic heaven that the emanationists want, you know, the land, of, the world of pure form. And so I. I as I said, uh, that second point, I think, is something that we're, re uh, we're I'm really wrestling with. And it, it in my mind, it intersects with this deeper attempt. I have to try to get and break through a lot of these uh, dichotomies that sort of have our, us locked in uh, an ineffective grammar of cognition mm -hmm. uh, and mm -hmm. uh, uh, of, uh, of our existential lives. Um, so I don't know if it, I, 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 I do know that that is in no way a, a complete, yes. uh, a responsible answer. But I'm trying to show you what my thinking is about this. No, beautiful. I mean, that's I mean, that's all we can do to begin with. Right. And maybe that's all we could do at the end, which is just <laughs> put our frames of where we're at with this stuff together. It's obviously not so it's not 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 um, God getting to the acute end of, of this stuff is not is not easy. Um, I wonder if one way to progress the conversation from here is to talk about the role that you might take cognitive cognitive agents to play, or perhaps the role that consciousness plays in the mediation of the potential of potential into the actual. Mm -hmm. Is is this so, dynamic something that is potentially one that can resolve this problem with uh, uh, emergence and emanation? I hope so. I mean, I, I, I would, I mean, I have argued and I've published and I'm working on for a deep continuity between the machinery of consciousness as a form of relevance realization that is also generating perspectival knowing, right, um, and a salience landscaping. You know what what consciousness does is it makes it gives us this textured salience landscape in which we're we're caught up in sort of you know fields of obviousness. And yes. so, but I think that 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 at the core, and I and I make the argument this is convergent with a lot of work. At the core of that is machinery of relevance realization, which I think ultimately is continuous with the machinery of your intelligence, 
and and that's and you can see that in how both consciousness and at least your fluid intelligence are deeply correlated with working memory right yes. and so you can see working memory as a place where you know you can if you'll allow me i don't i'm not happy with these metaphors but they're, they're the ones we're using you can sort of look up to consciousness and you can look down to the intelligence found in our cognition and then you can look through that intelligence Right. Also into the, the machinery of our, our biological existence. Here's why I argue explicitly that the relevance realization that is at the core of your intelligence is actually a function of the bioeconomy of your brain. It's 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 working in terms of, you know, the logistical properties of efficiency and resiliency that, you know, are constitutive of any adaptive autopoetic system. And yes. so that's what I mean. I, I, I like if I if I. I would argue, not everybody agrees with me, of course, that would be really ridiculously pretentious, but I would argue that if you look at consciousness the right way, you can see continuity with intelligence, and then that very way of looking at intelligence allows you to see continuity down to life. And then that's a very Aristotelian framework again. Yes. Um, well, I think that's very interesting, and I can't um, participate in that conversation with the degree of acuity that you have for some of this, although I think I'm with you as far as the gestalt goes. Um, still seems seems to me that there's something about the process of transformation, mm -hmm. which is can be experienced experientially, can be discerned and oriented in experience, involves the the interplay of well coherence and incoherence sure and that there's something about that which which yes i can see being well it, it, it i can see something in some analogous way being the process which enables self-making autopoetic systems mm -hmm. to come into an appropriate fusion with anything at all so really what i'm just looking to um, argue or get clear on is whether or not there is like there has to, it seems to me there should be a fittedness between the patterns of engaging the consciousness that we have oh, yeah. and the and the processes which enable coherence to be a fact of consciousness at all in what we might traditionally think of as non-conscious things i'm not arguing arguing for consciousness as we have it at the bottom of things but just that mm -hmm. there is a kind of there is a kind of a sentience awareness and implicit goal formulation and goal actualization and a transformation occurring with actualizing that goal which can be understood in this some like some ontology of the actual and the potential and the mediation in between and then you have this kind of you have an engine there of a becoming and a transformation towards growth. Wilbur uses the terms transcend and include. There is this kind mm -hmm. of fusion that then begets a, um, uh, a, a, a different perspective. Something's become something else, but it's embraced what was before and it's moving on and developing and it is a genuine ingression into novelty in some sense. And so it, mm -hmm. it, it seems to like, because I, I think what's important to, um, so people get stuck in a nihilistic worldview where there's no meaning to anything whatsoever, right? Or they endorse some ideology that, that gives them meaning, right? Which might really just be some sort of power position. Um, sure, sure. But, but what seems to me to be the case is that there is, at the, at the core of 
you can be destroyed in experience and we haven't spoken about psychedelics this is something that's very interesting and and meditation of course you're working with the same machinery to you know mm. um that 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 there is a it's like to get the whole process of this thing that we're all involved in this process that we're all inexorably unchoosingly existentially trapped in or <laughs> a part of and can transcend by embracing is like are you trapped in an ironic cycle of becoming or do you embrace it and affirm it with love at your core not just for mm -hmm. self but for everything right because sure. self is everything in some important sense but so if ever so if all is in for there to be coherence between things there is a pattern of at least the, a meta pattern of transformation that we participate in where there is this kind of connected becoming of loving transformation. Like, like that it seems to be a pattern for me that, that can make sense of, or it, it, something about that fits, I'm drawn to say it, that there's something about how you can show up as you in an attempt to transform yourself with love for like an affirmation of this cycle at your core that is, is something to draw on which which can transform, I mean, but it's how metaphysically a part of the very transformation of being itself is that. That's the point I'm trying to, how involved is the human being in fundamental transformation of the universe as such? Like if there's this, if there's this, if there's this um, coupling, if there's this pattern matching of the coherence we make in our experience, but also this sentient awareness um, uh, goal formation, transformation happening at the auto-poetic level, then all of a sudden we participate in something genuinely fundamental. And it seems to me mm -hmm. the participation in something fundamental has the right to be called something spiritual. And then all of a sudden you have, so, okay, I'll stop there. <laughs> no, 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 I was just shifting my position. Yes, I didn't no. mean to interrupt you. Well, and then, and then there we have the, the human being as participating in something fundamental. It's this capacity to recreate ourselves by being in touch with what we most authentically are as we can grip onto the world, as we can authentically feel it, that constitutes then this, this spirituality and this divine capacity to be involved in the process of your own, own transformation and the transformation of the world. So I, I think I understand uh, what you're talking about. Um, uh, I, I guess here's what I would try to say in response to that. Um, first, I'll say what, what I, I, I clearly don't agree with and then and what I agree with, and then we could negotiate around it. So I think trying to understand this as a, as a teleological aspect of our metaphysics, I think is, is I, I'm suspicious of that. I think of that as, as probably mistaken because of the continued, this continual pattern, our intelligibility has advanced reliably at the expense of teleology, right? Um, as sort of at the fundamental ground of things. Um, so the, I, I would hesitate to express any of this teleologically. I would also, I, I would again go back to, uh, to thinking of, like I said, of, of meaning as transjective, as a way in which, like, like my biological fittedness, I am fitted to the real patterns in the environment. That doesn't mean that my fittedness is a property of the environment. It's exactly, right? It's a, it's a way in which the environment and I fit together. And this is the notion of affordance, right? The graspability of the glass isn't a property of the glass. It isn't a property of my hand. It's a real relationship between yep. my hand and the glass. Yep. And so I would think of this in terms of real affordances, you know, a la Gibson and most of the people in third generation Cogsci, and that we genuinely need to bring in affordances into our ontology of how we're going to talk about uh, cognitive and uh, and biological entities. 
so I would I would say that. And then what I would want to say is, and this is, uh, again, I'm, I'm more, more tentative, uh, and, you know, I've read quite a bit of Whitehead myself as well, and, and you know, and, and, and a lot of Neoplatonism, and, and this idea, you know, that there, there is, a, there's a structure of intelligibility to the world. But I want to separate that from any from any sort of teleological movement or momentum. But there 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 is a way in which possibility and actuality are are organized that are, are deeply constitutive of what we take to be the realness of things. And so when I'm talking about the intelligibility of the cup, right, of the glass, you know, and and, and this is where. I, I think I, 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 I'm in agreement with you, right? I'm talking not only about the structure by which it's known, I'm also start talking about the structure by which it is, right? And that there's a level at which the, the patterns of intelligibility and the patterns by which that thing is organized to be the thing it is are get into some kind of conformity with each other. Now, I don't mean that in the old way that Aristotle meant, but I think there's a newer way of trying to understand it, which I'm trying to articulate with you, that I think does give us a sense of that when I am right experiencing a kind of, you know, sort of profound connectedness and deep coherence uh, of intelligibility in my cognition, that is disclosing a kind of deep coherence and intelligible structure to the universe that gives me a profound sense of connectedness and meaning. And I take both of those poles to be real things and the relation itself to be real. So I take the whole process to be real. Yes. Yes, I understand. And I wonder if, so I wonder if um, you think in what I put forward before that my notion of teleology is one that places a fixed goal into the equation because I don't think that's what I I don't want to endorse that there is an end point at all to this sure. idea of teleology and if it was uh, the so go ahead I no no I I guess for me um I mean, we, 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 we have to we have to try and explicate the models we're using here, and, and and they're always there. So we have the model of making, like the generation of artifacts, and then we have the uh, the model of making that comes through something like evolution. And I take it that the project of trying to use the first model has largely failed, and that what we're talking about when we're talking about the way the universe is making, creating, bringing about novelty, you know, sort of disclosing the inexhaustibility of itself. I take that maybe that, 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 that a better model, I'm not claiming identity, but I take that a better model for that is the evolutionary model of, of, of making rather than the artifactual model of making. Yes. Okay. So where, where I'm at in my thinking, what's been gripping me is that, um, is that what, you know, and it's influenced by as far as I understand it, the Jungian notion of the God image, the image of self sure. at the at, at the depths of the psyche, which is at once that which is the ember of what drives and makes libido mm -hmm. possible and makes energy possible and gets things moving. But it's also the the echo or the image that is is projected, but it's also chased. But th but this is just an this. I mean, and I, I I I'm not trying to do a disservice to Jung, but this is just a recapitulation of Proclus's notion, the great Neoplatonist, of the one within and mm -hmm. the one without. 
you know, the, the mm -hmm. one of the cosmos and the one of the psyche mm -hmm. are, you know, are, have a fundamental r relationship yeah. to each other. And Atman the, is the, Brahman, the, that kind of thing too, right? Pardon me? It is, is, is it also that like, you can have the notion of Atman is Brahman? Like, yes. that's similar and, thing. And the idea that if I get it sort of, but, you know, but, but I have to, I think precisely what, for, let's take, for example, both the Neoplatonic and the, and the Vedanta, you know, tradition say is if you're clinging to, right, a sort of an autobiographical sense of trying to get at who you are and sort of your goal seeking and, your, and, and the teleology of your existence, you're actually going to not come into contact with Atman and, and you're not going to, Atman is, right, it's, it's, it's not identical, but non-dual with Brahman. And, and I think that that's the same idea, I think, in some important ways. I, I, I'm not giving a simplistic perennialism, but I think you're seeing a similar idea, right, in, in the Neoplatonic tradition, that to, when I realize the one within, when I get at sort of that dynamic ground that Washburn when I get at that sort of that 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 dynamic structural functional organization operating principles of who uh, of my psyche in total, that gives me a participatory knowing. I know of sort of the some of the operating principles, you know, in the external world. Yes, I think that's that, that's deeply right, and it's the sense in which I think you know Leonard Angel argues that ultimately has to be the case. Um, and so, if if that's what we're talking about. I, 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 yes, I would, I would, I would support that. Uh, what, what, what I, what, what I'm hesitating about is again, right, trying to think of that at one minute as anything analogous to teleological projects or endeavors. That, that's what I, because I do think. Uh, these are where these three things line up. I think the scientific worldview, the Neoplatonic, and the Vedanta both point towards, no, that's what you have to let go in order to get to that level. Uh, we find that that deep inner, uh, that deep inner penetration. I mean, it. what happens, I think, and this is what I would make a cognitive scientific argument for, is you get, you get a kind of knowing that is disclosed. It, it's, it's where the gap between knowing and being dissolves. Look, I, I I know I'm conscious by being conscious. To to quote to quote Foreman, I don't I don't know I'm conscious by having beliefs about my consciousness, right? I don't know that I'm conscious by creating theories about it. I, I know it. If I ask you if you're conscious right now, you know you're conscious by being conscious. And I think there's other things we know by being them, rather than thinking about them, reflecting on them, or discoursing about them. Yes, yes. I mean the. The relationship between these kinds of knowing, I think, is absolutely crucial. And there's more, there's so much more I want to say. And I, I think it would take, yeah, a lot more time to to get clear on, on where I'm coming from because I don't have the depth of learning that you do. And I have, I think I have in some sense a, a frame that's been stretched to important dimensions that allows me a container to play in the space but mm -hmm. to make you know um to make sensible the different dimension areas in that space is something that yes it takes me many um many you know attempts at generating it and it would take us some time and i'm conscious of two things one is that we have a poor connection thing here going on with skype this last couple minutes i think it's 
you, you, all your hand movements and energy, you've, you've interrupted the flow of internet. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and the other one is that I know that we have about three minutes left. Um, so I don't know how to wrap something like this up because as far as I'm concerned, it's the beginning um, of a conversation and it's one I've thoroughly enjoyed. And there's... I'm, ha I'm, happy, I'm happy to come back at some future day and talk some more. I'd love to. I'd love to. And, um, you know, I'd actually like to discuss with you and, and others um, how to make that time most effective, partly because I have I have two um, uh, drives. Well, two, yeah, at least two drives with this kind of project, right? One is one is what we've been doing for the last half an hour, which is to genuinely explore at the limits of my own understanding and to participate in a conversation at that level. Um, and I think there's value in that. Um, but I, I do too. I do too. But but the other is to the other is to make the experience of meaningful conversation um, available for as many people as possible. And I want to include people in the participation in in meaningful conversations well, and forums as much as possible. Tim, Tim, if you would like to set up a situation where you can bring, as you had done a, a couple places, but if you want to have uh, you know, an interview where you bring up uh, like questions that your community uh, wants to pose to me, uh, or something like that. I, 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 I will, I will, I will make myself available to that. I take that seriously. Awesome. I will make myself available to that. I mean that you know, and if you want to do that, you know, in, in, in the fair, fairly near future, I, I'm open to that. I, as long as we you know coordinate schedules, I'm I'm very happy to do that. Um, I I do. I, I want to. I want to scaffold and I want to share the responsibilities you feel to your community. I want to help to help that process as much as I can. Beautiful. Well, thank you, John. Um, you know, I'll leave this conversation very, um, very happy to have met you and to have done it. But also, I can tell you I'm going to walk away being it's a little bittersweet in knowing that uh, there's some other things about pursuing this, that there's so many things left un unsaid. And I think in some important because I oh God I do feel there's this tension, there's this it's it's it's, it's <laughs> partly just it's partly just a tension of it's just a tension of, of language and in some respects it's it's the very kind of tension that's not served best by doing this online, right? Sure, I guess there's there's this coming into touch with the importance of of human being in the world and. In some important sense, I feel a deep, a deep resonance and alignment with with what you're doing, and I, I think that, um, yeah, I'm very, I'm very grateful for for all the teaching that you've um, that you've put out there. I'm very grateful for what you've taught me, and yeah, I look forward to, to continuing this conversation more and throwing some more metaphysical things at you in the future. <laughs> well, I, I. I uh... Hey, uh, I really enjoyed this conversation. I think this is one of the easiest ones I've ever had, um, and, and I, I think you picked up on how how uh, how involved I got in it precisely for that reason. So uh, deeply, deeply enjoyed it. I very deeply enjoyed it. Uh, I would very much, like I said, uh, like to continue the discussion at some further point. Either what we're doing, let's say not either, both what we're doing, and like I said, uh, make myself available. Uh, with you as, an, uh, as some form of mediator uh, for addressing questions, uh, because you know you told me that you know you, there are people are meeting up and discussing my work. I want them to feel that I be, I will be responsible too 
um, their engagement with my work. I, I feel that responsibility, and I want a venue in which I can I can uh, I can undertake to discharge it. Beautiful. Well, hopefully, if things go well for the project, and I believe they will then there will be events I can hold in the future where we might even be able to fly you out and, um, and do something fun. In, in the years to come, I would like to see if that's possible. Well, that'd be great. That'd be great. I, mean, I would love an excuse to come to Australia. That'd yeah. be fantastic. Awesome, mate. Well, John, thank you very much and best of luck with everything you're doing. Thank you. Thank you so very much, Tim. I look forward to us speaking again.